Let us pray. Our most eternal and everlasting Father, we are thankful this morning for your love and your mercy. We are thankful for your greatness. We are thankful that you show us your goodness in ways that we cannot even fathom or imagine. What an awesome God that you are. We are amazed at how caring that you are about every detail of our lives. We know that you are the great healer. So there are people in this congregation who have all kinds of health problems. We know who they are. We do request that you heal them so that they are able to come and join us in our fellowship in the study of your word. We also recognize that uh, the human mind cannot understand anything that is spiritual apart from the ministry of God the Holy Spirit. So it is for this that we request that God the Holy Spirit, the perfect communicator, will enable us to hear precisely what you have for us this morning. This is our request in Christ's name. Amen. We're still in First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. It reads in the NIV 1984 edition, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the, hand, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with great, with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the task that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that each parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now the overall message of First Corinthians chapter 12, verses uh, 12 through 26 that we have been considering is that unity and diversity are essential in the body of Christ that is the church of Christ. Now as we have previously stated, this message uh, places some responsibilities on you as a believer in Christ. Now so far, we have considered the first two responsibilities that you have regarding this message. The first based on the section of verses 12 and 13, is that you should recognize the unity 
and the diversity in the church of Christ. Now the second, based on this uh, subsection of, of 1 Corinthians 12 verses 14 through uh, 19, is that you should focus on facts uh, stated about members of the church of Christ. That we, of course, indicated are five. The first is that the church of Christ consists of several members. The second is that no believer can be separated from the body of Christ. The third is that each member is necessary for the functioning of the local church of Christ or the universal church of Christ. The the fourth is that God, it is God uh, who places each believer uh, of the church or each member of the church in the church to function as he wants that individual to function. And the fifth is that there, that there will have been no church of Christ as we know it today if it consists only of one member. So we started to consider the third responsibility that you have regarding the section, uh, the message of this section of 1 Corinthians 12 verses 12 through 26. That's what we started in our last study. That third responsibility is this. You should be careful how you treat members of the body of Christ. And you should be careful how you treat members of the body of Christ. We indicated that we uh, will present this responsibility by linking it to reasons or positions that are necessary to bear in mind to help each believer carry out this third responsibility. A first reason you should be careful how you treat members of the body of Christ is because of the importance of unity and diversity in the church of Christ. A second reason is because each member depends on the order. A third reason is because even those considered weak are indispensable or unnecessary members of the body of Christ. So that's what we went through last week. So we begin now with the fourth. A fourth reason, you should be careful how you treat members of the body of Christ, is that there are certain members of the body of Christ that require special attention. That is what I said. We're dealing with believers. So there are certain members of the body of Christ, that is the church of Christ, that require special attention. Now this reason is derived from the analogy of the way body parts are treated that the apostles stated begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 23. The apostle continued to indicate as in previous verse that he was being emphatic in stating this fourth reason. Now the reason for this statement of being emphatic is the word and. Look at that word and that begins verse 23. That word and is very important. Now the, uh, the conjunction and is translated from a Greek conjunction of particle that is often translated and in our English versions as reflected 
In this verse, in the NIV, that begins the verse with the conjunction and. However, though, the Greek conjunction has several other usages. For example, it may be used to introduce a result that comes from what precedes. And so may be translated and then, or we can say and so. Now it may be used to emphasize a fact as surprising or unexpected or even noteworthy with the meaning and yet or and in spite of or nevertheless. Now of course, it could be used simply for emphasis with the meaning even, even. It may be used to mark an explanation so that what follows explains what goes before it leading to the translation that is, or we can say namely. Now in, in our passage of 1 Corinthians 12 verse 23, the conjunction is used to do a double duty in that it is used to add an additional reason a believer should be careful in how such individual treats other believers or other members of the body of Christ. But, that is not all. It is used to emphasize the point the apostle makes in the verse. In effect, the emphasis the apostle conveyed in verse 22 is continuing in verse 23. So be that as it may, the special attention that should be given to certain members of the body of Christ involves showing respect to them. Now this respect is shown to be certain uh, to be shown to certain members of the body of Christ is derived though, from the analogy of the apostle used in the verse we're looking at. Look at verse 23. The next thing says reads the parts that we think are less honorable. We treat with special honor. The parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Now the word think here though, is translated from a Greek word that we considered in verse 22. But for completeness, we need to review uh, what we said about it uh, with some additional information. Now, the Greek word may mean to be convinced, as it is used to describe the belief of Apostle Paul when he, as an unbeliever, persecuted Christians, as he stated in Acts chapter 26, verse 9. Acts. Acts chapter 26 verse 9 reads, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Now the word may mean to consider as probable, so means to think, to believe, or even to suppose sometimes to consider, as Apostle Paul used it to warn against 
self-deception in Galatians chapter 6 verse 3. Galatians chapter 6 verse 3. It is, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Self-deception. If you have an exaggerated opinion of yourself, he says you are deceiving yourself. Now the word is used with the meaning to consider in describing what is expected of a person that claims to be religious. This we read in James chapter 1 verse 26. Yeah, today we are in my judgment in a crisis in Christianity. And one of the, the main crises, as we see, is we're not living up to what we claim to be. There's a whole lot of people claiming to be Christians. When it, the door settles, nothing. We are full of hypocrites, inconsistent. And the smart unbelievers see, that, see through that. No wonder we don't have the impact we're supposed to have anyway. But here it is, one of those areas. It says, if anyone considers himself religious, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. So in a sense, if you, are, if you don't know, if you have a loose tongue, and you can talk like you do without being cautious of what you're saying, he said, you probably just destroy your testimony by what you say. That's one of the reasons we all have to be all careful as how we speak and so on. Now the uh, Greek word may mean to appear to one's understanding, hence means to seem, to seem as the human author of Hebrews used it to describe how we perceive discipline at a time we experience it. As we read in Hebrews Chapter 12, verse 11. Hebrews. Chapter 12, verse 11. Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 11. Reads, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now in our passage of 1 Corinthians 12 verse 23, the Greek word dokeo it actually has the sense of to consider. To consider. In the sense of to believe to be. To consider in the sense of to believe to be. So though the NIV used to think, I'm saying, 
you can really use the word here to consider or to believe to be. Now the body parts we consider or believe to be something is described with a verbal phrase where we're starting of 1 Corinthians 12 verse 23. Look at that verbal phrase. Say, are less honorable. Are less honorable. Now the expression less honorable is translated from a Greek word that pertains to being of low status on the basis of not having honor or respect. Hence means dishonored, despised. As Apostle Paul used the word to describe uh, what he and the other apostles experienced. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. Here we are looking at a Greek word, Artemis. Artemis. It reads, 1 Corinthians 4.10 reads, We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. That's because you know he's being sarcastic. We study that. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, and we are dishonored. That's Atemos. Now the word may pertain to being really considered relatively unimportant, or and so insignificant, insignificant. Now it is this meaning of being insignificant or undervalued or not held in high esteem that the word is used in our passage of First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twenty-three. So the apostle states then in 1 Corinthians 12, 23, when he says, he reads, The parts that we think are less honorable. Now that's based on the Greek words that we have considered. Indicate that certain parts of the body are considered or believed to be insignificant or less honorable. Insignificant or less honorable. So, what are these parts of the body? One may ask. Now, the apostle did not immediately say, though several interpretations have been advanced by scholars. Some say the apostle might have meant the hands, the feet, and the limbs, or the torso, thighs, or pouch. Well, Another interpretation is that they are the parts of the body that we normally cover. But if uncovered, will not be considered indecent. Now it seems that while these interpretations make sense, that what the apostle meant is later defined as referring to the private parts of the body, as we will argue later. Now for the moment... If the apostle meant the parts of the body, these interpreters 
uh, have suggested, then we will have a third group of parts of the body because of what the apostle stated in the first sentence of verse 24. We're not getting there, but just look at it for, for now. The first sentence of verse 24 reads, while, we, uh, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. So it seems to me that the apostle will only be concerned with two parts of the body, not three. Bearing in mind that he was eventually concerned with two different positions that believers might classify themselves in the body of uh, Christ or in the local church in Corinth. See, the Corinthians being people of a Roman colony will classify the people into classes following the Roman practice of classifying people either as those who are privileged and so with honor or what they call the, or the humbles. The humbles, that is, those without privileges because they are not wealthy or perhaps they lack education. So that's the only two way to classify their people. So this being the case, the apostle will have only used two groups of, uh, of body parts in his analogy and not three, as will be implied by the interpretation uh, of the insignificant or less honorable body parts mentioned in the first sentence of 1 Corinthians 12 verse 23. Again, that says the parts that we think are less honorable. Now, those who contend the third part, then we are going to decorum be because the apostle will be thinking of two groups, not three. Now, this aside then, the apostle's concern was more with how these parts are handled by humans. Now, the way we handle the body parts that we consider insignificant or less honorable is then described in the sentence, look at where we're starting. Verse 23, again, it says, We treat with special honor. We treat with special honor. Now, a more literal translation is something like this. We clothe, we clothe with greater honor. We clothe with greater honor. Now, the word three, though, of the uh, NIV is translated from a Greek word that may mean to sit, to sit, as in the crown the Roman soldiers, in a mocking manner, put on Jesus Christ during his torture, as we read in Mark chapter 15, verse 17. Mark Mark chapter 15 verse 17 A Greek word peritatini 
It's here translated put. Because it says they put a purple robe on him. Then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. So here, I mean, sorry, here is the Greek word is translated set. Now the word may mean to put though, as describing what the Roman soldiers, again, did to Christ while he was on the cross. As we read in John chapter 19, verse 29. John chapter 19, verse 29. It is a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they sucked a sponge in it, put a sponge on a stalk of the uh, hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. So here, the word is translated put. Now in our passage though of 1 Corinthians 12-23, it has the sense of to clothe, to clothe, like you're putting your clothes on, to clothe. That is, to bestow a quality on, uh, understood as if wrapping something in a covering. Now so the Greek used a present tense of our Greek word probably to convey a universal truth or something that is universally accepted and that the body parts that are considered insignificant or less honorable are usually clothed with something that the apostle described in the verse we are studying. That somehow is clothed. Now the thing that will be clothed or bestowed to the body parts we consider insignificant or less honorable is given in the phrase of First Corinthians twelve twenty three where we're studying. Look at what it says: with special honor, with special honor, or literally with greater honor. Now this is because that was special of the NIV. Is translated from a Greek adjective that pertains to being beyond a standard of abundance. Hence means greater, even more, even more. Now it is with the meaning much more, much more, that the Greek word is used in our Lord's teaching regarding the greater responsibility that will be required of the person who has greater privileges as we read in Luke chapter 12 verse 48. Luke Luke chapter 12 verse 48. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. It reads, But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment, 
will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more, that's a Greek word, much more will be asked. Now, this is a, a, a passage that they, you know, if I come through it, hopefully I remember to make comments, usually. And that is it. One of the things that uh, is comforting and scaring at the same time about this small group here is that this passage applies to us. And those of you who are actually serious, I mean, I know a lot of you come, I mean, I would say a lot of men, some come here and sit Wednesday and Sunday. I know that. It doesn't mean that you're getting it. But those of you who are getting it, you're being blessed from what comes out of this pulpit. You're being blessed. Because of that blessing, and because of what you get, you are placed at a position of higher accountability before the Lord. That is to say that you, with another believer, this is not conventional belief, with another believer, who does not have the same kind of teaching that you have, you do fail in the same way, your punishment is going to be harsher than that of the other person. That's what it's saying here. Now, I mean, I, I can illustrate that, but I wouldn't for now. That there are things you, as one who is taught regularly the word, will not get away with. Yeah, contemporary believers or whatever, they are not hearing much of anything. They get away with it. It would seem so. It's not that they get away with it. Because it says, even if you don't know, you still be punished. It's just the, the gravity of that punishment is what we're concerned with. Just in the same way that you are highly blessed. In the same way, when you go astray, God brings his judgment on you. So this is one of those th- things that we all should be careful about. Knowing that, yeah, we are in a, a precarious situation, so to say. We are blessed because of knowing his word quite a bit. At the same time, we are placing ourselves where if we do mess up and ignore it the way we should handle it, then, as you say, he lowered the boom on us. So that's this passage. From the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Now it is, of course, with the meaning more, that it is that the uh, Greek word is used by the human author of Hebrews as a discourse, the uniqueness of the priesthood of Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 15. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 15. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 15. It, says, it reads, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 15 reads, And what 
we have said is even more clear. If another priest like Melchizedek appears, you know, setting up for the greatness of the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anyway, in our passage of First Corinthians twelve twenty-three, the Greek word is used in the sense of greater in importance. Greater in importance. Now, so the adjective that has the sense of greater than in importance qualifies really the word honor. That is translated from a Greek word that may mean prize, prize, as the amount of money paid to Judas Iscariot to betray the Lord Jesus Christ, as stated in Matthew chapter 27. Verse 9. Matthew. Chapter 27. Verse 9. Matthew. Chapter 27. Verse 9. It is. Then. What was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 silver coins, the prizes, a Greek word, time, time, the price set on him by the people of Israel. Now the Greek word may mean value, value, as it is used by Apostle Paul. To describe human principles or human philosophy, philosophies that are ineffective in dealing with human sinfulness. I mean, for most part, that's really what our social sciences are all are. They're trying to deal with human sinfulness, they are not adequate to handle them because they are ignoring the fact man is a sinner and there's a power. Greater than man living in him. That needs to be overcome by the power of greater than that power, which is God, the Holy Spirit. So they come up with all these things and trying to make, you know, better society and all that. It's not going to work because those are principles that really are really of no value because it's not based on a recognition of the fundamental truth about God himself. Now, there are some of the things that they put forth, and it works because underneath them really are the Bible, but they don't know that. Somebody, somehow they don't realize that it's from the Bible. But they code it in their own way and they think, oh yeah, we've come up with something new. No, you did not. Anyway, so this is the way the word value is used to translate a Greek word in Colossians chapter 2, verse 23. Colossians chapter 2, verse 23. Colossians chapter 2, verse 23 reads, Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh 
treatment of the body, but they lack any value. That's our Greek word, time. They lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. They don't have value because there's no power to them. Now the word may mean compensation. Compensation. Such as that that should be given to uh, teaching elders of a local church as stated in First uh, Timothy chapter 5 verse 17. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 17. And once you get uh, Timothy, please hold on to it because the next passage will also be uh, in First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 reads The elders who direct the affairs of the church well, I mean, sorry, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now, the, so here is really the issue of compensation that is involved in terms of double honor, so to say. Now, the word may mean, uh, may refer to the act of showing honor, reverence, or respect. And so, it is translated respect in the instruction given to believing uh, slaves regarding their masters, whether they are believers or unbelievers for that matter, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this is, these are things that we, we do see that uh, many times when we read these things, they seem to be so far removed. When in truth, the principle is, every, is something that works every day of our lives. So I'm going to make a comment here. It says, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect. Now, for most of all, I mean, for the most part, only a tiny fraction of people on the planet today are under the yoke of slavery. The rest are not in, the, in that respect. However, most people are under some kind of authority of an employer. So that's, this principle here applies. It is sad today, even among Christians, Whereby people want to get away with the minimum they can do. That's a sign of no respect. Whatever responsibility that you undertake, you want to take go the least possible way. You are not, you are not showing respect to the organization or leader, whatever. You are not showing respect. Worse yet, if you're dealing with anything that has to do with the word of God of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are dishonoring the Lord's soul. In other words, there are many things that we do. And I use little things so that people can, you know, sometimes when I use some things that look like over your head, I say, let me take little things. 
I always use like cleaning this church. There are people who just they, they sign up, alright, but they just barely do that. They just get it, just I mean like, oh I, I just ah, I wish I didn't sign in for it. And they just barely get it, just do the mere blame they can do. You are disrespecting the Lord. See, everything we do, we have to have this enthusiasm that we are serving a Savior. So whether it's cleaning the church, cooking at home as a believing lady, or man, whatever. You have to do all those things with this understanding. Don't look for the minimum that you can do to satisfy whatever it is. What's at work? You know, people are looking at the time and it's close to five or whatever time they close. They don't want to do much. That should never be true of you as a believer. Because when you're doing that, you're not showing respect to that organization, to your boss or whatever. So it is important that we know that we don't do these things. Now here is the reason I emphasize this kind of thing. Look at the next thing it says, you know, master's word of full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. That's the reason. Because when people see you, you report testimony in your work habit or whatever you do, and they can't see there's something about you that's different from what they would have done. What you've done is you have slandered our teaching. You have slandered our teaching. That's what the Holy Spirit says. Why we should do these things is to avoid slandering our faith. The most people don't, you know, don't, you know just go away. But you don't realize that what you're doing is slandering what you believe. And this is why I say we are in a crisis mode today in Christianity. Because I just, you know, I just go to church and come home and that's just it. Just barely, you know. I I went to church today, you know. Because when you ask someone, now what do your pastor teach? Well, well, he taught something, but we went to church. That's supposed to be, you don't the minimum, you were there, that's it. There's nothing to go. Nothing to live there with. Nothing. That is slandering our God and his word. So you don't you find yourself as a believer? Don't get into that mode. Everything you do, do it to the best ability that the Lord has given you. I don't care what it is. Do it to honor him. To show respect to him. By the way you handle these things. In that way, you demonstrate that yes, the word of God is true. Anyway, in our passage of 1 Corinthians 12 verse 23, the Greek word really has a sense of honor. In other words, the Greek word time has a sense of honor. That is the respect one enjoys. The respect one enjoys. That's what we're dealing with here. Now the Greek words we considered indicating that the sentence of First Corinthians 12 verse 23, again that reads, the parts that we think are less honorable 
we treat with special honor. The Greek words that with the meaning that we have looked at indicates then that the humans show respect to the parts of the body we consider insignificant or undervalued. We show respect. Now it is possible that we may not uh, understand what the apostle meant. So he proceeds to provide an explanation that will help us understand what he meant about the body parts that although considered insignificant or less honorable, receive respect or special treatment from us. Now we say the apostle provided explanation to what he meant in the sentence, the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. We say he provided explanation because of the word and that begins the next clause. Look at the next clause of verse 23. It says, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. I'm saying, this is, we, we, you know, like I said, I'm not preaching. You know that. <laughs> if you haven't figured out that for these 27 years, you, you, I don't know what you have been. Anyway, I'm not preaching. I teach, try to explain things. So, we're saying there are two clauses here. The first clause has been, it's a statement. The second clause explains it. That's all I'm trying to uh, establish now. We have two clauses. One is explained by the other because one may not be completely clear, so to say. Then the second clause explains, explains it. So that's why the next clause of verse 20, uh, 23 says, And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Now the, the conjunction and is translated from the Greek particle that begins uh, verse 23 that we've already indicated has several usages. Now, in its first occurrence in verse 23, we indicated that it is used to do a double duty and that it is used to add an additional reason a believer should be careful in how such individual treats other members of the body of Christ. And to emphasize the point the apostle makes in verse 23. However, in this second usage or occurrence of the Greek particle or conjunction, the word is subject to at least two interpretations, two possible interpretations. It could be interpreted as a marker that introduces a result that comes from what precedes, leading to the translation of something like and then, or, and so. Now, the implication of this interpretation would be that the action stated in the sentence that follows results from the respect shown in, to this insignificant or less honorable uh, body parts that was mentioned in the first part of the clause. Well, I cannot really be certain, but it seems to me that this is the interpretation that is adopted by the English versions that begin the clause with the word so. Instead of using the word and, some English versions, some like, uh, like the New Living Translation, or what's called God's Word, 
Those two translations, they begin this second clause with the word so. So I'm saying they may, it could be that they have interpreted it as given results. I'm not sure of that, but that is a possibility because the word so will indicate some result too. Now another possible interpretation of the Greek particle translated and in the clause that we're considering is that it is used as a marker of an explanation. So that what follows explains what goes before it, leading to the translation that is, namely, and so on. Though I don't know of any particular English translation that has that. But that is a possible interpretation. So the implication of using that then is that the clause that we are considering explains the previous clause. In other words, this second one explains the first one. Now, while the first interpretation is possible, it is the second interpretation that we believe to be in the apostle's mind. Now, here are those things that I do uh, as the Lord directs me. I don't show it to your nose, to your truth, so to say. I give it to you, explain them, you go home, let the Holy Spirit deal with you. If you say, I'm all wait, as some of you do, and find out the hard way, oh, that's fine with me too. But I will give you the explanation, give you reasons. You go home, walk it out with the, you and the Holy Spirit. So here are the reasons I have taken this second view, that it should be used as an explanation. First, it is the interpretation that enables us to understand what the parts of the body that we consider insignificant or less honorable are. That's the first reason I go there. Second, it is this interpretation that helps us to understand what it means to honor or respect the body parts that are considered insignificant or less honorable. Third, the Greek words used in the clause and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty through light in the words used in this first clause that reads the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor and so on. Now I say the, part, the words used in this second part they throw light on the first part. So let me demonstrate what I mean by that. The expression, less honorable, as we have indicated, means the, insig- uh, the insignificant or undervalued. That of the first clause, is then explained by the word unpresentable in the second clause. Unpresentable. Now the word unpresentable is translated from a Greek word, that in the Greek world is used to refer to something that is not openly done, displayed, or discussed in reserved society because it is considered shameful, unpresentable, indecent, or unmentionable. Now, the word is applied to sexual matters in two passages, the same Greek word used 
in the Septuagint, that's the Old Testament translation of the, uh, I mean the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So it is used to describe the raping of Adana as something disgraceful, as we read in Genesis 34, verse 17, that raping their sister was something disgraceful in Israel. Genesis 34, verse 17. Sorry, Genesis chapter 34, verse 7. Verse 7. Genesis chapter 34, verse 7. It is, Now, Jacob's sons had come in from the fields as soon as they heard what had happened. They were filled with grief and fury because Shechem, or Shechem, some say, had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing that should not be done. Now, the word, the same Greek word as Keminum, is given the meaning of indecent in discussing the matter of divorce of a man from a wife that was no longer pleasing uh, to him as described in Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. That's why a Greek word is used in the Septuagint. It reads, If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing in, to him because he finds something indecent, that's why a Greek word is not translated indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house. So here, the Greek word is translated indecent. Now, in its only usage, the Greek word is only used once in the New Testament passage, which is the passage we're studying in 1 Corinthians 12, 23. It has a sense of unpresentable part. That is, Something unsuitable or forbidden for public display or as a topic of conversation. So, the unpresentable parts refer to the genitals or the genitalia, as I said. Now, of course, you can understand when I say this. If you deal with Ladies, or I call them ladies, or women, of a, probably those who were born around, maybe in the, in the 40s these days, those who were born around 45 or somewhere around there. 
they don't talk about the genitalia as young people do today. <laughs> Some of them say they are mentionable. That's the way they do that. Because they consider it not something to talk about. But today, hey, it doesn't matter. You get these teenagers that tell you all kinds of things. Yeah, anyway. Now, although the word uh, indicates the genitalia, there is also the implication that depending on a, a given culture, that a woman's breast may be included as a part that is not presentable to others. Now, depending on the culture. Because there are cultures in those in the people didn't have any clothing. It didn't matter. Because their, their thinking was different from what you have today to begin with. Doesn't this Greek word though shares light then on what the apostle could have meant in the first clause where he mentioned parts of the body we consider this honorable or insignificant. Because of that, this second word explain that one. That's why I believe my interpretation is correct. There is more though. In the first clause of 1 Corinthians 12.23, concerning the treatment of the insignificant part of the body, we read, we treat with special honor, or literally, we clothe with greater honor. Now what this means is better understood by the verbal phrasing, in the second clause of verse 23, look at the verse 23. It says, are treated with great, uh, with special modesty. Special modesty. Now the word modesty is translated from a Greek word that in classical Greek may mean proper treatment or adequate maintenance. Now, it appears only once in the Greek New Testament where it's taken to refer to the state of being appropriate for display, and so means propriety, decorum, or presentability. Now, the, does the NIV translated with the word modesty, while the, uh, the New English translation uses the word dignity. Dignity. Does it is clear, or clearer, that, uh, that what the apostle Meant by treating the body part with honor means to clothe the part of the body that should not be displayed to others are modestly covered up. Implying that such body parts are respected by those to whom they belong. Now the genitalia and the woman's breasts are parts of the body that are properly covered or that should be properly covered Although these two parts of the body are responsible for continuing uh, pro- uh, propagation of people, both in procreation and in the nurturing of babies. Now, we are talking about modesty. I have I, some of you who were here then. I, when we went through First Timothy chapter 2, I went through to tell you. Now, you can go out and bear it all out as a woman. It's permissible by the society. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're a believing woman, you must have a dignity to yourself. That means you don't want any part of your body that does not need to be seen to be seen by any person. If you have this understanding of modesty. And I explain that. 
Because we live in a society where even though people don't like what you are doing, no one is going to tell you that. They just, mm, okay. Until, if once they get somebody who is courageous, one person, they all flock around that person. It doesn't matter whether the person is right or wrong in any other thing. But just one thing that that person has said that no one wants to say that they, they now have somebody who can say it. They rally around that person. So, just because people don't tell you that doesn't mean you should, you should do that. You should, as a woman, you should have dignity to yourself. That is to say, there are many parts of their body you don't want to be, anyone to see. Now, I know that, you know, people say you know, they're covering their breasts. Most women are really not covering it. Because any part of it that is seen is still indecent. According to what we're looking at here. So, you should have some kind of dignity to yourself. As a lady who is a believing lady, you carry it out. We went through that in First Timothy chapter 2, especially verse 8 and so on. I went into detail and explained that. That part of the thing you do as a believing lady is when you're getting ready to go out there, you're in front of the mirror. What is going through your mind as you're putting all this on? What, are you, what is it? That's part of where you begin to see whether you are consistent with truth or not. What's in your mind? What are you thinking? That's what you, and those things that you're thinking, are they in line with the scripture? If they're not, you're out of line too. In other words, you're not pleasing the Lord. So here's the thing though, is that there is a sense of dignity that needs to be carried out. Now that aside, there is a sense that we could say then, that since the fall, it is the human tendency to cover up the unpresentable parts or the genitalia. Now we say this because Adam and Eve were not aware of their nakedness in the sense that their genitalia were of no concern to them. But once they sinned, then immediately they started covering up. They covered up according to Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. Genesis Ah, looking at time, it's time for break after break, we'll do it. 